You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. everybody. It's Robin McMahon here. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Our Future. I'm so happy that you're here and I am so happy if you're here and you have a tween because you need to talk to my guest. You need to listen to my guest. You need to know all about her and read her book as well. I have Michelle Eichard here and she is pretty amazing if I do say so myself. She is a member of the Today Show parenting team and NBC News Learn. She is the author of Middle School Makeover, and her work has been featured in the Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, the Christian Science Monitor, Red Book, Time, and People. Holy cow, this is, she's, she is, she is, uh, she's kind of a big deal, if you haven't already figured it out. Um, her leadership curriculum for middle schoolers, Athena's Past, and sorry, Athena's Path and Hero's Pursuit have been implemented at schools across the U.S. and her summer camp curriculum is offered in more than 20 camps each summer. She lives with her family in Charlotte, North Carolina. So welcome, Michelle. I'm so happy to have you here and I cannot wait to talk to you about our tweens. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am ready to talk about whatever you want. Oh, that's so great. Well, really what we're here to talk about is your book called um, 14, 14 Talks by Age 14. And we're talking about these kiddos who are starting to pull away from us, right? Starting to grow up in a way. And that means that there are some things that we need to do to prepare ourselves and themselves for this new transition into their lives. And so you know, you're working with a lot of middle school aged kids. And so tell me why that is your area of expertise, or at least that's what you're writing about. Sure. I have been working with middle schoolers and their families and oftentimes their schools for about 15 years. So I have been doing it um, since my kids were two and four, they're now 18 and 20. They have kind of, I've gone through this entire path with them. And, And people always say, are you going to bump up when your kids bump up? Like, will you start talking about high school when your kids go to high school? And I have never felt pulled to really leave Mm. the middle school age because I think it is developmentally the most fascinating time in a person's life. And Mm. for that reason, it can often be the most awkward time in a person's life or the most painful time, but it's also exhilarating. And there's so many changes happening. And I just think, you know, there's endless information to mine there. And I like that. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you that last night, my husband and I sat through a high school orientation for my son, who's in grade seven, who just turned 13, who is about to go to high school. So this is so relevant for me right now. Uh, You know, I have one son who's already in high school, who's 15. And then my little one, I always refer to him as the little one. He is taller than me and going to high school. So this is so relevant. Not that it's about me, but still. No, but I'm glad that it resonates and that, um, and that you're reading it at a time when it's probably most useful. So that's good. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, and I love this, and you say this literally on page one, chapter one, you say that, uh, and, and this is where you're talking about developing a new language, right? Because things are changing. And, I, and I'll tell you, you know, when I work with my clients, I always talk about the, the, the first, you know, 11 or so years, right? That's where we're really teaching our kids. And then there is a transition period where we really want to mentor our kids and we really are parenting them in a slightly different way. And so I think you and I are kind of on the same page there. And so there needs to be this new language that's learned. And so what you say here, um, that the job of tweens is to break ties apart. Although the process can be painful, kids that who don't begin to assert their independence in adolescence have difficulty establishing healthy partnerships later in life. And so this really is an important time and, uh, and it's good to be able to talk about this and just let parents know because we need to know this kind of stuff, right? It's, it's hard when it happens to you, it feels deeply personal. Mm -hmm. When your child um, begins to pull away and they're so attracted to being with their peers, they would rather do anything than have dinner with you anymore and like family movie night, they don't like any of these ideas that used to be fun. And I don't know a parent who hasn't taken that to heart and felt like it was a rejection of the relationship entirely. And so I think it's really helpful to understand this from a developmental viewpoint that this has nothing to do with you. You haven't done anything wrong. Your relationship isn't permanently fractured. The more you can embrace your child wanting to become independent, because that's the goal, right? Ultimately. Exactly. Do want our kids to not live at home with us, right? Exactly. <laughs> so in order for that to happen, it takes 10 years of practice. They don't just become independent at age 18, 19, 20. Mm. So it starts young. And as you said, around age 11, they need to begin the process of becoming an individual. They don't want to be tied to what their parents like or think or believe anymore. And it can feel um, painful, but the, the more you know, the more you're able to just say, okay, this is normal. I can accept it. I love that. And I just want to, I just want to kind of hang out for a second on what you just said. They need 10 years of practice. Whoa. That is, wow. Yeah, you're right. And that's also because their brains don't fully finish growing until mid to late twenties. We know that. Right. And, and I love that there, I love that you say the practice because there is also this confusion for parents, I think too, where it's, it's, I need you, but I don't need you. I want you, but don't talk to me, you know, or, um, you know, I need you to hug me, but don't touch me. Right. right? So it's just confusing too. Right. And, and it, of course it, you know, I think that it also happens almost too soon for us as parents because one minute we're dealing with tantrums and meltdowns the next they're pulling away from us you know and i think that's probably why at least i know i'm feeling like oh wait 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 wait. can we just go back can we go back can we rewind what happened here you know i i, I thought we were still hanging out together and liking it you know and now we're not you know and, and sometimes so you will be it's really not linear and that yeah, i think yeah. that adds to the confusion because as you said, one day your 
daughter wants to snuggle up with you and brush her old doll's hair that she's just refound. And the next day she's sneaking out of the house with eyeliner on because she thinks you'll get mad that she's trying to look more grown up. So they are torn between feeling like little, little kids sometimes and needing the comfort and protection of a parent and then feeling like really many adults and wanting to push you away Mm. because they don't need you. So I think that adds to our pain throughout the process because we're like, Hey, Mm. hang on. You can't use me like that. You know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. And I I also think it's important. We, we tell our kids what they're going to be going through. Like one day you're going to feel like you want to play with your doll. The next you're going to want to feel more grown up. Right. I think that's important too. I agree. Many parents will ask me when I give talks, should I tell my kid this? And I always say, yes, they, they love a peek behind the curtain and they deserve to understand how their brains and bodies are are working right now. Um, For most kids, it's a real relief to hear that this is a normal way to feel or be or behave. And so I agree with you completely. Just shine a light on all of it. Well, and I think that's really, I mean, let's be honest, that's what your book really is about is having those conversations and you have 14 talks by age 14. And there's so much about your book that I absolutely love. And I don't know how, I don't know how you, um, you know, how you could even, uh, you know, these are all so important. I'm going to read them off just because I want people to know who are listening, what we're talking about. So you're talking about your parent-child relationship, about independence, about changing friendships. Big. Oh my gosh, that's that's huge. And again, what what I was trying to say before, inarticulately, is like I don't know how you even like you know which one you would put first because they're all equally so important. Um, so then it's also talking about creativity, taking care of yourself, fairness, talking about technology, hello, talking about criticism, hard work, money, sexuality, reputations, impulsivity, and helping others. Such an amazing list. That's such an amazing list. And and you also guide parents through this new language, learning a new language. Um, I love the the chapter called your new bag of tricks. You know, that's we we need as many tools um, as we can possibly have at this time. So um so so tell me about these conversations. You know, I, I know that they're listed. Are they listed in a particular order? Should you have them at that, in that order? That's a great question. So um, what, I, what I hope that parents will do is read the first three chapters. And that is, um, as you said, that's sort of the foundational part of the book. So that's your, get, giving you your bag of tricks that work universally in talking to this age group, um, giving you some conversation crashers that universally will send a kid running in the other direction if you say these things. Um, So set that foundation. And from then on with each of the conversations, it's a choose your own adventure, really. So if Mm -hmm. you're like, I've got to get to the technology chapter right now because we're having an Mm -hmm. issue, or I really need to talk about taking care of yourself because we're having trouble with hygiene or we're having trouble with self-harm, whatever it may be in that category, you can bounce around. Now I did order the chapters in progression of what I thought were sort of the easier conversations up to the more nuanced because some of the concepts, um, they're a little tricky to talk Mm -hmm. about down the road. Mm -hmm. And I want parents to get some practice under their belt before they have to handle some of the thornier issues in there, but, but you could do it in any order you wanted. Right. I'm sure there's some topics that cross multiple categories too. You know, if you look at cyberbullying, 
could be friendships, it could be technology, right? It could be reputations, it could be impulsivity, it could be lots of different things, right? That's right. I mean, so the way that I structured the book is that each chapter is kind of a broad theme. And then there are examples and scripts within each theme that tie to really specific um, current situations your child might be facing. So that could be the need to talk about pornography, the need to talk about sending nudes, the need to talk about vape or drinking or broken hearts or friendships that have changed. You know, all these things are the specifics that you, you can go to the index <laughs> if you yeah. are like, I've really got to find this exact thing. Um, because you're right, it, it might not be under the topic that you would initially think, but I, but it's probably in there somewhere. <laughs> right. Right. I, that's, that's so great. And, and so important, right? Where there's such a vast amount of topics that, you know, could come up that could be become an issue with you uh, or your, your teen, your tween. Um, and, and so that's, that's so great. And, and I have to tell you that, you know, when I talk to parents, a lot of the times that I hear, a lot of things that I hear a lot of the times from parents is like, I just need to know the words to say. So you providing scripts, it's, it, that is perfection. Perfect. Well, my hope is that you'll read it and go, okay, now I understand how I can approach this. Of course, your child isn't going to follow the script I wrote. <laughs> so yeah, right. you got to be a, a little bit nimble here. Um, I think of it more as an improv exercise than a scripted up play. Yeah. But for me too, I like to hear an example before I get going. And then I can, I can do pretty well on my own, but it, it gives you the sense that you've got some training wheels. So you're not just making this up completely as you go along. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really, really helpful. Um, I think we just get so flustered sometimes when we talk about these, these things. And, and, and one of the things that I want to say, and, and I want to ask you some conversations, um, or sorry, I want to ask what I want to talk about is conversations, but what I want to, what I want to mention is that during this time, it is essential that we build deep connection with our kids. And this is the whole reason why you've written this book. We uh, want our kids to know that we are their safe haven and that they can come to us at any time and talk to us about these things or about anything. And they won't be met with criticism. They won't be met with judgment that we are just there to help them work it out. And that deep connection is the answer to so much, right? Uh, it's the answer to helping them with their own well-being their mental health, um, physical well-being, all of that. So we need to invest the time to talk to our kids, to build that connection. Because they're pushing us away, we need to know that they're going to be okay when they're left to their own devices. And if they do make a mistake, that we can be there to help them. I'm thrilled that you said that because I, I that's exactly the reason that I wrote the book. It's, it's not about um, having the right answer all the time. That's not what being a parent means. And I don't want anyone to think like, okay, good. If I get this book, <laughs> I'll know exactly what the key is on this particular yeah. subject. I mean, I, I give you a lot of information and you can call that and have great conversations, but it's really about building rapport. It's yeah. what you said. I always say that it's the job of parents to keep the door open. Your kid wants to shut the door and that's appropriate and that's mm -hmm. fine, but you want them to know that should they ever feel exceptionally lonely or hopeless or confused or 
um, angry or in need of advice, whatever the case may be, that they can come to you. And, and mm -hmm. having these conversations proves to them that they can. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. And, and there's a right way and a wrong way to do it right? Correct. That's why you have Correct. conversation starters and enders. And so what phrases invite connection and which ones <laughs> irritate our kids and scare them away? So I think there are some universal things that we can be doing regardless of what we're talking about that kids from age you know, 10 and 11 all the way through adolescence and probably even we adults really like. Um, one of the biggest ones is to open with a question. So rather than um, being prescriptive, and I think we often feel for kids this age, they don't know the answer, so we have to give them the answer right away. When really it's about them earning the wisdom and kind of figuring out how to figure things out. So saying things like, how can I support you here? Mm. Um, what would be helpful to you to solve this problem? What do you need to be successful? Th those kinds of things kids feel a sense of autonomy and some respect from that. And so they're far more likely to engage with you mm. rather than if you just said, you know what you need to do. You need to sit down and you need to make a list of what you have to get done for school. And then you need to do your assignments and actually turn them in this time. Like <laughs> that. Uh, right? right. Yeah. That's it's like, I stopped it. listening in the first, like half a second you started talking. I stopped listening. Right. Yeah, You're we're inclined to do that. Cause we're like, but we know better. We know what you need. Yeah. They need the chance to figure it out themselves. So questions are really good. Um, another thing universally that helps, and it has nothing to do with what you say, it's how you look when you say it. So oh. um, this is my very favorite communication tips for, tip for parents of tweens or teens. There was a really cool study that came out of um, McLean Hospital, which is one of Harvard's teaching hospitals, and a neurologist there who studied facial expressions. So she sent adults through an MRI and said, can you, by looking at these pictures of people's faces, tell me what they're feeling? And adults could get it right 100% of the time on basic emotions. They could say that person's happy or angry or afraid, whatever it may be. Because they were in an MRI, she could see that they were using the prefrontal cortex in their brains. Oh, of and we yeah. all know that the prefrontal cortex does not work for, very well for adolescents. So she no. put teens through the MRI and showed them the same photos. And they could only 50% of the time correctly guess how someone felt by looking at their face. So um, they're using the amygdala, the emotional center of the brain, yeah. to try to guess so what, what that means is that I know every parent has experienced this where your kid tells you something or you ask your kid a question, a simple question. Hey, how did that math test go? And your forehead is wrinkled up when you ask them. You're furrowing your brow because you're interested or you're, you have a headache or you just have a wrinkly brow for whatever reason. Um, your kid says, I don't even know. We haven't got our grades yet. Why are you so mad? And they storm off. And you thought you just asked a simple question. Yeah. So um, this is a huge miscommunication um, occurrence that happens all the time in families across the country. My advice is just have a neutral forehead. Just is, It's hard to do it at first, but don't wrinkle your <laughs> brow. Your child will misinterpret that as anger every time. So um, I call it having a Botox brow. You don't actually have to get <laughs> Botox. Well, but the first thing I thought of was Botox. Yes. I, I want you to pretend you're a celebrity on a late night talk show and you've been so overly Botoxed, you cannot move your forehead at all. 
So not like deer in the headlights, just completely flat affectation. Um, your kid will start to tell you more and more and more because they don't think that you're mad and they don't think you're judging them. That is genius. That's, That's genius. Yeah. That's, can I ask you really truly out of curiosity, is, is it harder for boys than it is for girls? To read facial expressions? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and social cues. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I, I, I don't know um, with a broad brush. What I will say is that I know for sure there's a three-year um, gap in brain development between girls and right. boys in middle school. So mm. um, for, I say this in the book, for example, 14 is the most dangerous year of a boy's life because he is so impulsive at that age. And that probably correlates closer to um, the start of middle school for a girl in terms of brain development and mm. where it is for boys. So um, I don't know. I, I will tell you anecdotally and personally that when I stopped talking to my son face to face when he was in this age group and mm -hmm. started texting him, we had far better conversations because yeah. he wasn't assuming incorrectly how I felt. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I have to say, I've done the same thing too. I've been able to sort of level with my oldest, you know, because yeah, he's definitely like flown off the handle. I'm like, dude, I wasn't even thinking about you. I was thinking about something totally unrelated to you and you took it personally. Like, no, no, you know, so I, I, I completely have experienced what you're talking about. You're absolutely <laughs> right. So, um, so what you said is to invite like to, to invite conversation by, by asking open-ended questions and then also check your face, check your face, That's right. <laughs> check, your face. check your face. And, and I want to say too, you know, you didn't say it, but I know, I know this is part of it too. If you're going to ask an open-ended question, please listen to what your child says, listen to them and don't listen for responding, listen to understand and ask, you know, tell me more. You know, I mean, you probably have much better phrases than just tell me more, but <laughs> yeah, I like tell me more. I mean, yeah. kids this age, I say, have a touch of the narcissism. So they really like to talk about themselves. <laughs> so as much as you can say, like, I, I want to know more about you. I'm curious about that. What do you think? That's fascinating. Tell me more. Mm. I think it's a really great way to keep going in that line. Yeah. You know, we, we had, uh, the most unexpected conversation one night and, uh, my, my youngest son came downstairs. My husband and I were watching our show or whatever we were watching. And my son came down and he started just talking to us. My husband and I like both telepathically were, were like jumping up and down. So oh. excited that he came downstairs to talk. And, and afterwards we were talking, my husband and I were talking about the conversation. It was just awesome. It was the best ever. We were, we were really like intentional with our words and really listening to him. And, uh, and then afterwards we were like high-fiving each other and like so excited about it. And then, and then we just said like, no show is ever as important as that moment right there, you know, and, and, and we felt really proud of ourselves that we were able to just recognize in that moment, like this was important. This was a moment of connection. And I'll tell you what, it felt like, it just felt so good. Like we felt like parents, you know what I mean? Like most of the time parents are frustrated, but we felt like, yeah, we did that. We created this beautiful moment of connection that is, is significant, is really it's, significant. It's such a win when that happens and it, it, it will begin happening and it, and it's in drips and drabs at first. And I feel like your kid is 
most kids are usually sort of testing the waters to see like, are you going to freak out? Are you going to yeah. then try to like hug them? Are you going to make them stay too long? You yes. Know? yes, yes, yes. And so you played it so well. And, and when that happens, then they're open to doing it again and doing yeah. it again. And we forget when we're in the depths of parenting a, a teenager and there are all kinds of um, fears and safety concerns and dangers and attitude, you know, all of it. Oh, yeah. That, that ultimately, the hope is they're young adults who want to come back and be our friends and hang out, yeah. right? <laughs> so you're really building towards that future. Yeah, this is not just an 18-year job. It is a right. lifetime, right? And and I think that's that's what's so important about having these conversations and, and transitioning the way you are with your kids because you want to stop running your own agenda. You want to ask them what they want. What does their heart tell them? What do they think about things? You know, where do they want to go? That is keeping them doing what you want them to do is pushing them away. But inviting them to be who they really are is inviting them into, it'll allow them really to invite you into their lives, right? I love that. I, I, a big, um, I think the biggest impediment to, to, to having a good relationship with your child is the need for control. And when oh, parents yeah. really feel the need to control who their kid becomes. And, and I know that it, it is intent, the intention there is with love. And the yeah. intention is, I want to keep them safe. So I don't want them to see things that will hurt them or to be friends with people who might hurt them. But this, this desperation for control and the need to like bubble wrap everything so that the kid never feels anything bad, um, it backfires. And it's, it's such a shame because I, I know that a parent isn't doing it to be cruel. That's their idea of how best to produce a good human, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. But it can really backfire. Yeah, definitely does. It's their own anxiety too. It's their, but, but always coming from a good place. Definitely. Yeah. So I think that there are some good times and some not good times to talk to your kids. So what are the best times and situations to sort of, you know, open up a conversation with them? And can you just kind of sort of start by saying like, Hey, can we talk? What do you, like, what do you do? What, when should you do it? And how do you start it? I think you're a genius in that area. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you should do it, I think um, kind of depends on your kids. So some, some kids will be better at certain times of day, better when they are multitasking, worse when they're multitasking, you know, so it kind of depends. My preference is to ask the kid and to just give them an option. So um, a nice way to begin is just to say, hey, I wanted to touch base on school stuff. Nothing's wrong. I just want to touch base on school stuff. Do you want to do it before dinner or would you rather do it right at bedtime? And give your kid a little bit of a choice there. A nervous, anxious kid might be like, uh, right now, why? Is something wrong? Yeah. <laughs> a very totally. chill kid who just is a total procrastinator will be like, well, could we do it next week? Yeah. And you're like, no, we can do it before dinner or right at bedtime. You pick. Those are the choices. Right. Um, so, so scheduling, I think, and giving them, again, that little bit of autonomy to, to decide. Mm -hmm. Also, kids are not um, really good at thinking on their feet at this age. They have impulsive brains, so they're likely to say things that they don't mean. And when you give a kid a chance, a heads up and a chance to kind of prep for a conversation, they feel more confident coming into it. I mean, I can remember being this age and my dad wanting to talk about politics or something like that. And me being like, 
it's so unfair because you know so much and I'm not ready. Like, I don't feel like I've had time to think about this or brace myself. So, um, so that is a really good time. Tons of people talk about talking in the car, which of course is, is really great. Again, it's that inability to read a facial expression. So when you're side by side and you're not looking at each other in the eye, could be playing a video game, riding bikes, going on a walk, going for a drive. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. Um, I also think I mentioned it before that texting or having a shared journal that you pass back and forth can be a really beautiful way to talk without talking because some kids just prefer written word. Um, they may have an auditory processing disorder or they may just need more time to think, whatever it is, they wanna do it at their own pace. Yeah. Uh, so th that's what I suggest in terms of timing there. And then did you want me to go into how to begin? Yes, please, yes. Okay. So I have this model that I use in the book and it is a universal model for every conversation that you could possibly have um, because I don't want parents to feel like they have to reinvent the wheel each time. I love that. And it's it brief, it's an acronym, B-R-I-E-F, and each letter stands for a step in the process. So B is begin peacefully. And here again, that could be by scheduling a time, or it could be just by expressing a real gentle curiosity about a subject. So mm. rather than jumping into the deep end and saying something like, you know about vape, right? You know, vaping's really bad. I hope you don't vape. Do you vape? Do your friends vape? Like you don't want to just <laughs> jump right into that. You can instead just be sort of mildly curious about the subject itself. Hey, what are you hearing about vape? It's all over the news. Are people talking about it? Do you think it's overblown? What do you think? So that's a nice soft entryway into mm. a conversation. Um, and then you want to relate to your kid, let them know that you're on the same team. Uh, you're not there to be uh, a narc. You're not there to bust them. You're not suspicious. You, I just want to know what they think. I is interview for data. So there you get to ask some questions. And these can be, again, just sort of to clarify what your child knows and understands. E is echo what you hear. And that's your opportunity to make sure that you understand what they've said. And oftentimes you will think you have, and they will say, no, 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 that's not what I meant at all. So this is just the time when you say like, it sounds like you're saying, or if, if I'm getting this right, you're feeling this way. And then F is feedback. And that's your opportunity at last to give some advice or make <laughs> suggestions, or if need be, set some boundaries, put some limits in mm -hmm. place. But what I've found in the work that I do is that parents are so freaked out about how to start that they start with F. And then they haven't right. built up the trust and the momentum to get to the point where the kid is even willing to listen to the feedback. Yeah. Well, what I love is you've laid it out like this in the book. So you've done the, 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 the B underline, right? So you've showed this formula throughout the book. And I think that's really helpful. Again, tell me the words to say, please tell me exactly what to do it. Cause I don't want to do it wrong. And, uh, and I, and I really, really love that. And you also, okay listen, everybody needs this. What I love is that in the appendix, you have small talk conversation starters. And just to encourage the readers to like, take it out of the book, you've got little like cut lines. So you just take it out and have it handy. And you've literally got parent child, child to parent. Um, and you've got all of these, you know, different ways to start the conversation. I love it. It's 
so good. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. I don't want every conversation to be a bummer or a warning or a scary thing. I really want the conversation to be a relationship builder. So these, and as you said, yeah, cut the book, cut them out of the back of the book and lay them on the table between you if you want. Um, these are fun. These are just goofy, fun conversation starters for you guys to begin to enjoy chatting with each other. That's all that that is. And so just to give some examples, which song would most kids get hyped up for if it came blaring over the loudspeaker during lunch, right? Um, What's your favorite chore? That's a funny one. (laughs) I know. Um, what are you the best at in our family? Um, what's something that makes you laugh that probably shouldn't? That is my favorite one. I love that. I love that. So I have a million. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. But how about, um, how about if I, if I say to you, you need to start being more grateful (sighs) and, uh, why don't you try thinking about somebody else for a change? Yeah. So these are what I call conversation crashers. And we, uh, there's a chapter in the beginning that lists some that are just sort of like, generally speaking, these are things to avoid when you're talking with a kid this age. And so we've got those laid out in the beginning and then chapter by chapter on each topic, there are specific ones for that subject matter. So if you're talking about technology or you're talking about friendships or you're talking about um, independence, these are things in particular that kids don't want to hear. So what really turns a kid off at this age, as we talked about in the beginning, their job is to pull apart and become independent and to become an individual. So one of the big conversation crashers that I hear a lot is parents assuming how a kid will feel. Mm. So that sounds like this. Listen, if you do that, you're going to regret it. That's what I'm telling you. I hope I've Trust me, I've been there. You do not want to make the same mistakes. You'll regret it. And for a kid who's thinking, I want to be independent. I want to think for myself. You don't know me. I'm my own person. You know, (laughs) they're feeling that strong sense of um, individuation. They hear something like that and their thought is likely to be, oh, I'll show you I won't regret it. (laughs) I'm now actually really going to do it to prove to you that you don't know who I am or how I think. And I'm not sure that it all happens, you know, consciously, but it is that sort of rebellious reaction to being told I'm a certain kind of person, right? Because this is the job of a kid this age is to figure out what kind of person they're going to be. And it's, as we said, a very long process, but so don't assume feelings now or in the future. That's goes back to ask, how will this feel to you in a month? If Mm. you decide that this is something you want to do. Wow. I love that. Right. So get them thinking about it. They'll probably come to a pretty good conclusion if you can slow down the thinking process for them. Um, Other conversation crashers are using absolutes. And we as parents tend to do this when we've reached our limit. Right. So we say, you never turn your homework in on time and it's killing me. I always have to remind you to get your homework assignments turned in and you don't. So never and always. Um, The trouble with that is that your kid at this age is becoming a very good little lawyer. And so they want to pick apart the tiny things that you're saying that are wrong. And if they can prove that just once they did turn in a homework assignment, your whole argument falls apart and they're like, I don't listen to you. I don't trust what you're saying. You exaggerate everything, right? So um, those are probably my top two general ones to avoid. They, They do not go over well. 
Right. And, 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 and let's be honest, the more we talk, the less they listen. Yeah. Right. And so we just need to talk less. We need to not lecture. If lectures were worked, then you would only have to do them once. And that's just not, that's just not the, that's just not the path to true connection with your child. And, and the whole, the whole point that we're talking about here too is that when connection is high, resistance is low, right? And and when you go in and you say, well, you're going to regret this, you know, we all have counter will, which is innate to all of us, which is when you're going to manipulate me or tell me what I what I'm going to do or feel, I'm going to do the opposite of that, right? So that's also something to know that we have in us, right? That's why we want to be rebellious and do the opposite, like like just like you said, you don't know me, right? So yeah, if you, if you want your kid to go and do the opposite, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So let me ask you, now that we've had these beautiful conversations with our kids, we're feeling connected with them. Is there an elegant way to exit these chats? How do we know? Like, like you said, you know, my son is, is testing, right? Like, are you going to keep me here too long? You're going to make me hug you at the end. You know, are we you're like, what, what do you, you know, how, how do we end this without, with them wanting more? Such a good question. And I like, you know, the acronym is brief and I like that it spells brief because I really would rather a parent have 10 tiny two minute conversations than feel like they have to have the end all be all big check mark. I did it. And we're done with that conversation. I covered everything in the world. So to your point, how do you quickly segue and get out of these? I think it's as simple as after you've said your, your piece of feedback, whatever that may be, you could say something like, so this is, you know, just something to think about. We can talk about it again. If you ever have any questions, I need to get started on dinner, but if you want to talk some more, that's cool. If not, let me know if you want to help cook or if you need to go do your own thing, that's fine. Mm. So some sort of segue in activity that signals that we're done here. And usually I think the easiest thing as the parent is to say like, I have to go do this now, you know, um, so switching gears really quickly, but let me know if you ever want to touch base on this again. So it's just a, a, a quick little pivot is all you have to do. That's great. That's really great. I think that's, that's, that for me would be the hardest thing. Cause I wouldn't want to end it too early. I wouldn't want to, you know, make him feel like he was rejected or anything like that. Right. So I love that. That's really helpful. I think they like to hear it's something for you to think about. Like you can just sort of sit with this for a little bit and then let me know if you want to talk about it again. I'd love to. Mm. Okay. That is, that is so great. Um, Michelle, I've really enjoyed talking to you. This is just such an exciting book and I love how you've laid it out. You've really helped us parents. Like we're busy. We need to be spoon fed this information. Sometimes we need to just like, we just need the help. Right. And this is really practical, really easy to read. Uh, where can people get 14 Talks by age 14? So it's available at really any bookseller, anyone online, Target, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your indie shops will have it. Um, so just search for the title and you will get a million hits. <laughs> That's to- awesome. Yeah. And you have a gift for everybody listening for the parent toolbox site that, that I have. Uh, you are giving the first chapter for free, Yay. which is beautiful information. I set that up. I'm so glad. <laughs> yes. Yes. So thank you for that. That is really, really helpful. Parents, please, you know, um, it is something that we need to know if you have, uh, uh, you know, if you have a 10 or 11 year old, you got to start thinking about this now. Um, so thank you for being here. Thank you for this information, for writing this book in a way that is really going to be helpful for us all. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks so thank much. You. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon, and if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe, and if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.